So the first thing I, I want to welcome everybody. This is our first topic-specific call for Hazards of 2012, and we've got uh, just shy of 40 people on the phone so far. The first and most important thing I want to tell you is if you're going to mute your phone, please make sure you don't have music that plays. If you do, if you're not sure and you hit mute, if you then hear that we're listening to music, get off mute. Uh, we had this problem on our call earlier today, and it really destroys the call. We can't speak over music. Um, so please be very, very careful about that. The other thing is I am recording the call, and I will turn the call into a podcast, all going well. So as we move through the call, if you have questions or um, something to say, just introduce yourself because there are over 40 people here. I don't take a roll call because there's so many, um, but it will really help us know who's speaking if you introduce yourselves. And just so you all know, my name is Jamie Kaplan, and I host these calls. I'm a member of the Hazus Outreach Team. Um, I run the youthhazus.com website as well, which is where you're going to find the presentation for today, and I'm going to walk you through that in a minute. So those, the first two quick announcements are that, please, if you're going to mute your phone, no music. And uh, we are recording the call. Okay, I do want to talk to you about a couple of other upcoming things that I'd like you to be aware of. Uh, I put together a uh, activities calendar on the youthhazards.com website. Many of these activities are also posted on FEMA.gov. We post as many as we can in both places. And coming up, uh, for, just for you to be aware of, tomorrow there's a webinar regarding some of the uh, tools that Phil Snyder is going to speak to us about today. So you can um, uh, download the uh, announcement for that webinar and I'll point out where that is. Also tomorrow the Canadian Risk Assessment User Group is having a conference call. They have calls every month. Uh, I believe it's the first Wednesday of the month, um, and uh, that's at 1.30 Eastern Time. The webinar is at 2 o'clock Eastern Time, so you've got to make a choice there. Uh, we will have a Higher Education Resources Consortium call on February 8th at 2 o'clock Eastern Time. And the dial-in and PIN number for that call is the same uh, that you just used to get on today's call. Also in February, the Canadian Has This User Group has a call on uh, the 15th of February at 1.30 Eastern Time. And our next um, topic-specific call will be on February 28th at the same time, 3 to 4 Eastern Time. And the topic for that call will be an opportunity to listen to and ask questions of the, um, a member from the three developer teams for Hazus 2.1. So Hazus 2.1 will be released this month, and uh, you will get announcements about 2.1 uh, via your user group leader. Also, we'll post announcements on the FEMA.gov webpage. Uh, we'll put something up on Use Hazus. And we will um, post it in a Gov delivery message. So I encourage you to make sure that you're signed up for the Gov delivery email notices. That's really a good way to know what's going on in the world of hazards. So stay tuned to that. Um, and you won't get inundated with email. You get one, maybe two a month. Um, so it's definitely worth your time. Another quick announcement is that on uh, March 8th, at FEMA Region 1 in Boston, the Northeastern Hazus User Group is going to have an in-person meeting um, in Boston from 10 to 4. 
Uh, you'll see some information about that coming up pretty soon. Sorry, that's my family. Um, okay, so that's upcoming activities. Oh, one other thing I didn't mention is the Florida Floodplain Managers Association has a meeting um, March 28th through 30th, and they're going to have a hazardous track during um, during that conference. So uh, I encourage you to look at that. In terms of training, um, has this, uh, there's going to be a training class in Idaho, March 22nd to 23rd. We're going to post some information about that on the Idaho HUG webpage. And there are some openings at EMI for HAZUS training. Uh, the February 13th through 16th HAZUS for Disaster Operations class has five openings. And then there are openings in the classes in April. Those are basic HAZUS. Hazards for floodplain managers and ArcGIS for emergency managers. So all those classes have some space right now. Um, the ArcGIS for emergency managers only has two openings. So I, if you're interested in that, you want to get on that um, right away if possible. Okay. Um, see, I went through the trainings, the calendar. Does anybody have questions about any of those things? All right. Let me. Um, there are about 45 people on the phone call right now, so let me walk you through where to find the um, presentation for today's call, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Oh, one more quick announcement. I almost forgot. One of my favorite announcements. We have a Hazus User of the Year. Um, I'm very proud to announce on behalf of the Hazus Outreach Team and uh, FEMA that Bert Strulick of Natural Resources Canada uh, has been awarded Hazus User of the Year for the fourth quarter of 2011. He's our first international winner. Um, and you'll see up on the usehazus.com website and on FEMA.gov, we'll put some um, information about the good work that Bert has done. He runs two calls every month, um, user group calls, the Canadian user group and the risk assessment users group, and you're welcome to participate in those. So. If you get a chance to talk to Bert, um, please congratulate him. He's done an outstanding job, so thank you to him. Um, all right, let me tell you, because I don't want to take all of Phil's time, let me tell you how to find the presentation for today in case you haven't found it, and you can go ahead and download that. Uh, go to the usehouses.com webpage. And from the home page, under Upcoming Conferences, you want to click on uh, either the first or second link, National Hazus User Group um, Call. They both go to the same page. Then you're on the National Hub Conference Calls page. And in the middle of that page, under Hub Topic Specific Calls, you'll see um, today's date. And uh, so there's three lines in green. The first one is download presentation for call. So that's the first um, one that you want to click on and you'll open it up and uh, Phil's going to walk us through that presentation. The second link um, he's going to also talk about and that's how these tools are available to you, how you can acquire them. And the third link is a uh, webinar announcement for tomorrow's webinar. Uh, one other thing I forgot to mention is, uh, or maybe I did right in the beginning, that Hazus 2.1 will be released this month. And you can um, receive information about that again through the Gov Delivery, and you'll order it through FEMA's MAP Service Center. 
Um, and the last on uh, my announcement list is the Hazus Hot Zone will be released in the next um, couple weeks, and we've got some good information in this new issue about uh, how Hazus was used for Hurricane Irene. Uh, so I encourage you again to, to make use of the Hazus Hot Zone. All right, has everybody been able to find this presentation? Does anybody have questions about how where it is? All right, other questions or announcements that anybody would like to make? Okay, so my last reminder, we do, don't mute your phone. Or if you're going to mute your phone, make sure you don't have music. And okay, again, it's I'm not actually mute, it's if you're putting us on hold. Okay, putting it, I'm sorry. Thank you, Ron. Yeah. Don't put us on hold if you have music. Um, and I'm recording the call, so if anybody has a question or raises a comment, just introduce yourself because that will make for better recording in the future. Okay, uh, Phil, are you ready to go? Yes. All right, go ahead, introduce yourself, and it's all yours. Okay, I'm Philip Schneider. And if you don't know me, I'm the person who started Hazus. National Institute of Building Sciences and a uh, under a cooperative agreement with FEMA. That was in 1992, so I've been at this a very long time. And recently I've been, rather than being involved with the development, I've been involved with the IVNV, which is uh, independent validation and verification, in which I get to. Uh, test as, a, as the last gatekeeper before it goes out to uh, to the user community. And I just completed that, along with uh, Vanessa Glenn-Lenaris, works with me on it, for the uh, version 2.1. And uh, I have to say it's in pretty good shape. It's pretty stable. I think everyone who gets a hold of it and uses it will like it. Not every bug is ironed out, but that's always the case with Hazus versions. But in this one, we the developers ironed out quite a number of them. Uh, things that have to be done in the future, and the things that have been resolved, and this time the things resolved is that list is far longer than the than the ones in the future. So anyway, uh, doing IV and VIO. I also get to do other things, and one of them has been my involvement with the Integrated Rapid Visual Screening Project with DHS, not, not seen as a DHS project. And I was brought in as the, uh, as the natural hazard advisor and ultimately got involved in the beta testing of the IRVS and going around different cities and, and having people use it. and. Uh, it's just about ready for release. I think it's a pretty good tool. So you're wondering what is IRVS? What is this thing that I'm talking about? Well, you've used Hazus. I'm sure everybody on this call has used Hazus. And what you do with Hazus is you try to identify those areas where you have the most likelihood of damage and and loss. You might find be trying to find uh where the liquefiable areas are in the earthquake model and finding out if anything's on those liquefiable areas 
that, that could possibly uh, uh, be damaged. Well, once you do that and you locate an area, there's another step that you really need to go through. And that is taking the buildings in that identified area and figuring out which ones are the most uh, subject to risk and have a, uh, a lack of resilience. And when you do this, just like hazards, you don't want to be spending a lot of time at it, and you, you want to be able to do it very quickly and simply. And this is what the integrated rapid visual screening tool does. It gives you the ability to go and assess a set of buildings, one building or a set of buildings, and figure out who your bad actors really are, and those are the ones where you're going to go and really do the analysis uh, for uh, for mitigation. Now, unfortunately, uh, we have hazards, we have the IRVS, but we don't have that third tool really nailed down yet. That I've been uh, urging FEMA to create such a tool uh, so that once a uh, once buildings are identified as as candidates say for mitigation you can go in and do a, a, a very intensive analysis. Now a tool was developed for the VA that does this, but there's not one that is is like Hazus, which is usable by everyone. Okay, so we go to the first slide. This is a program, software program that's designed to be rapid and to produce comprehensive assessments. It covers a lot of hazards covers a lot of the components of buildings, but it's simple and quick and reliable. Uh, we've had firemen use it, policemen use it, uh, facilities people use it, people that you would normally not uh, uh, would not be associated with a, with a tool like this, and they find it very easy easy to use. Of course, any tool like this, like Hazus. Uh, the reliability depends on the time devoted to the uh, collection of information. So the more information you put into it and the more you know about the building, the better analysis you're going to uh, get. Uh, and of course, once you get all this data on the building and you run this analysis and you get an idea of its risk and resilience, uh, this can support the more thorough assessments that need to be ultimately need to be done to decide mitigation strategies. And what does this tool do? Well, it saves a lot of money because if you're screening out buildings that you don't have to analyze, then you're saving that cost, uh, both the cost of, the, of that analysis and you're saving ultimately cost of, of mitigation you may, may not have to necessarily do. This is an all-hazard approach. There's 22 hazards that are covered in the IRVS. It computes risk and resilience. Risk is the vulnerability side and resilience is the continuity side. And of course, uh, I think uh, if, if you've been following resilience literature, there are 34 definitions of resiliency, so I could pro I've probably just said the 35th one. And, uh, but it, it, resilience goes to continuity and the ability of uh, facilities to continue after a disaster. And it provides very simple scores and ratings. Uh, the results feature, if you want to call that, of the IRVS is actually fairly, fairly simple and uh, straightforward. There's a user manual that comes with it. 
There is a uh, what we call a catalog that comes with it that describes all the components that you're looking at. If you want to know what a, uh, a steel frame uh, moment building is, it'll give you a description of it in a picture. And also dictionaries that describe the components of the, uh, of the, of the methodology. Now, one thing about the IRVS, there's actually three of them. There's one for buildings, one for mass transit facilities, and one for tunnels. And, and right now, one, a fourth one is being developed for, uh, for airports. But there are these uh, three uh, versions of the IRVS right now. And the mass transit and the tunnel versions are available at, on the DHS website. The building one is still uh, still has its last little bit of review to go through with DHS before they let it go. Okay, any questions before I go on here? Okay, hearing none. IRVS has a pedigree. Uh, it first started out in uh, 2008 with a FEMA book on, on uh, rapid visual screening of buildings for uh, future or, or to evaluate terrorism risks. That was the, the, the first one. This IRVS has expanded that to 22 hazards. Uh, the second generation was the one that I was involved in, in testing in uh, Arlington, Virginia, Albany, New York, New York City, D.C., L.A. and, and uh, Charleston, South Carolina. A large number of federal and uh, local, state and local uh, governments, law enforcement agencies were involved in that testing. And uh, right now we're trying to work with the Federal Protective Service to get adoption for the, for the, federal, uh, for the federal buildings. We're also trying to work with VA to, to get adoption for the, the VA as well. Uh, for the tunnels and mass transit, we worked with the TSA, and uh, and and we had tests in Boston, Cleveland, St. Louis. Uh, so both and, and the New York Port Authority. So both the uh, uh, the mass transit IRVS and the tunnels IRVS got a lot of testing as well as, well as the uh, the buildings. Okay, in the within the IRVS. The methodology is all built in, just, just like hazards. All the algorithms are there. And there, there, there is one difference between hazards and the IRVS in that regard. Hazards is a first principles model. In other words, we have the, the hazard, the, the uh, USGS data in there is directly related to the building damage and loss. You see it in the formulas. You can manipulate those formulas. Uh, IRVS is different. It's, it's a weighted system. In other words, to keep it simple and, and so that it, it doesn't take uh, four hours to, uh, to crunch an analysis, uh, all, all the different components, uh, say the, the, the vulnerability of different building types and different component types, are given weights and the hazards are given weights, and, and, and the weights are all put together in, in formulas behind the scenes that, that when you make a, a selection of a hazard, when you make a selection of a, of a different building uh, structural type, then those weights are, are uh, multiplied together to create the final result. And that's 
basically how the uh, IRVS works. Uh, risk is determined by the very well-known formula, consequences times threat times vulnerability. And resilience is based on the three R's, robustness, resourcefulness, and, uh, and recovery. Okay, the hazards that are covered, uh, man-made hazards, so you get the explosive attacks, arson, ballistic attacks is listed there, but it's not actually in there. That ought to be taken out of the slide. Uh, and CDR releases are in there. And the natural hazards, earthquakes, floods, winds, and fire, and then there's subcategories of these, and, and altogether there's about 20, 22 hazards. Now, when it says crime statistics to be added late summer, that's that's also a, a misnomer. We're going to uh, we're going to make the IS the uh, IRVS conforming with conforming to the uh, ISC, and the ISC is, is is a standard that has 52 hazards in it. Now, some of them overlap with the ones we have now, but once the ISC is in there, uh, you'll have 52 hazards, and it, it includes, that. that's when we'll have the ballistic in there, and we'll have things like larcenies and burglaries and even planes flying into buildings as part of the, uh, uh, the ISC as well. Okay. Any questions here? Okay. Uh, IRVS is completely digital. As I said earlier, it's on, it's on software. It runs on fairly... Form, uh, MS Access 2007 and Excel. That's all it runs. All it runs. And uh, it allows full collection and uh, and data. And it, it essentially does it in two two different ways. The, the first way is that you you input the data that you know about your building already. You know its age, you know it, you get its square footage, you get its height, and uh, you get its, its uh, uh, lat-long lat coordinates. Those are the things that you can pretty much do at your desk. And, and then you go out into the field, and there's a series of about, up to about 100 questions that you answer. And it's just simple check. You check it's like a multiple choice test of a hundred questions, and you check all these check all these answers. And what you're doing every time you do that is you're uh, is you're assigning one of these weights to that that component. Uh, for instance, if you feel that you have a, a good fire suppression okay. system, you'll check that, and that you'll get a weight for that. If you feel you have a less than adequate fire suppression system, you check that, you get a different weight. And that's all put together, and and then you press one button, and it provides an automatic risk scoring for risk and resilience. And those reports are are, are printable. You can view them; they're also printable. Okay, the IRVS is designed to address what are called the HS 18 sectors, and these are just simply whether it's a a chemical plant or a nuclear facility or a commercial facility. These are, what, three of the 18 sectors. And 
when you do an assessment and you cut in the field to answer the questions, it only takes about one or two hours to complete. And uh, we had we had firemen and policemen doing it for less than that once they once they got used to the question uh, and answer system. We need about one or two screeners to do it, and with limited expertise. If you want more detailed assessments, of course, you can get more expertise. And the assessments are applicable to one particular building, or a, you can use it for a group of buildings and compare them, or you can even compare buildings in different locales, compare their risk and, and resilience. And that, that might be good for, say, a company that has stores in different uh, parts of the city or different parts of the state. And when you're doing an assessment, you're looking visually at the building, you're looking at the, the perimeter, what's around the building, what kind of, say, ballers it has to vehicles from uh, vehicles from entering the, uh, the, the premises, you have, you look at the building enclosures, see what kind of glazing it has, whether it's bullet resistant, whether it's tempers, and you look at selected interior areas, see uh, yeah, what mechanical system you have, or what kind of, uh, uh, and is the far is the uh, mechanical system secure? These these kinds of questions. So the audience for the IRVS are city and county, state officials, emergency managers, building owners, facilities managers. In other words, a, a vast, broad range of people from the uh, from the uh, building and construction communities that are that. Uh, that use that can use this this tool. And now, if you want to see uh, what the benefits are, it's flexible and adaptable to the needs and requirements of both government and private sector agencies. In other words, you can uh, if you even though it covers a, a whole range of hazards, if you don't have a hurricane hazard, you don't have to uh, you don't have to assess that. Uh, it allows individual facility assessments uh, to be customized to specific protection strategies. Uh, you can actually use the IRVS to upgrade your building to see if, if you had, say, uh, uh, bullet-resistant glass on the first level, how would, how would that improve the facility in terms of a terrorist attack or, 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 a, uh, or an armed attack. Uh, you can prioritize inventories of facilities based on the resilience and resource uh, allocation, which is very valuable for mitigation uh, planning and, uh, and emergency response planning. So it brings about dramatic reductions in facility assessment cost time and expertise constraint because with this tool you're not spending a great amount of time and effort in very uh, detailed studies that you're coming up with these uh, assessments very quickly and at very low cost. And it provides a systematic and standard assessment methodology uh, for uh, different agencies, different corporations, so that can, people that use this tool can talk the same uh, language. All right, this next slide is what the results look like. And at first it's... Uh, Looks like there's a lot there, but it's easily broken down. If you go to the upper right-hand corner, you'll see that there are four colors in a scale. 
and the green means that uh, you're in pretty good shape, and the red means you're in pretty bad shape. And there's one for risk and one for resiliency. And if you look at that first row right under, you'll see the uh, the man-made hazards, internal intrusion, internal explosive, uh, star, and uh, you will see that they are rated according to consequence, threat, and vulnerability. If you remember the formula, these are the three components that are used determine risk, and, and there's a rating for each one. And if you look at internal intrusion, which is on the left side, you see a lot of green there. And it means in terms of threat and vulnerability and total risk, there's not a lot to worry about with, uh, with an internal intrusion. But if you look at the other, uh, the other handmade hazards, they're all in the orange category. And if you look at the explosive zone one, there's a red one there under threat, which means the threat is very high, but the total risk is, is actually lower. So it, you, you can see that you can get high high threat high threat incidents or potential incidents, but, but the risk may not be high because the building is well protected. The next level down, you'll see the natural hazards, earthquake, flood, wind and, uh, and fire, and here you'll see that this is obviously not an earthquake area because the earthquake ones are the total risk is in green. Uh, it's not a it's not a wildfire hazard area because the uh, fire ones on the right are in green, but for flood and tornado and wind, you do have a uh, a level of a level of hazard. Uh, there and, and, and a higher level of risk. Now, the lower left-hand part is where you get the resiliency scales, and you see five of them, one for performance, one for time, robustness, resourcefulness, and recovery. And the time measure is the one that's, that you should be familiar with because it's very similar to the one it has. It's the number of days it takes before the uh, facility is back in operation. And the three Robustness, resourcefulness, and uh, recovery are, are based on, on, on a whole set of, uh, of components that make up uh, that particular result. And then you get the total risk and the total resiliency. And the total risk of this building is, is in the high category, 60, uh, about 61%. And uh, its resiliency is, is not too good either. Now, these, these two numbers are not recipro reciprocals of one another. Uh, risk and resiliency are calculated separately from each other. Now, in the lower right-hand corner of the of the screen is a uh, is a table. It's a very interesting table because it's the first of its kind. And what it does is it shows the result of one hazard on another if you have both at the same time. For instance, if you look at a change in seismic, if seismic changes, it will affect glass by about 55.5%. It will it will affect your flood hazards by about 35.9%. And, and again, these are all determined by by uh, by a, uh, a weighted a weighted system. 
is when you press a button, this is what you get, and this is what you see, and you, you can go, say, immediately to the lower left-hand corner and see that the, the risk of this building is, is relatively uh, on the higher side. It's above 50%, and its resiliency is low. And it might be a candidate for, for mitigation once you start comparing it with other buildings. Okay, I mentioned dictionaries before, and what the dictionaries show are the components, some of the overall components that exist within the IRVS. And under consequences for, for buildings, you have things like the locality type. Is it, what, is it in an urban neighborhood? Is it in a suburban neighborhood? Number of occupants in the building, the replacement value, whether it's a historic building or not, and uh, what is uh, expected in business continuity, and, and, and all of these are assessed by the IRVS for, the con for consequences. Just like threat, when you have a, a man-made hazard, you're, you're looking at, again, the number of occupants that might be affected by the threat, the site population density, that's the number of people around the building. Whether this is a, a symbolic building, whether it has symbolic value, very important in terms of threat because it's more likely that, that it'll be a target than if, if it's just a common garden variety uh, uh, store on the street. And then finally, with vulnerability, you're looking at all the major all the major components and uh, subcomponents of a building, the site, the architecture, building envelope, and the uh, the, the various systems. For mass transit, it's very similar only because you're dealing with a specific type of, of, uh, of use, uh, you have uh, more specific consequences and threats and, and vulnerability. For instance, consequences, you have the number of tracks and subway lines, of course, and the number of stations. For the threat rating, you have the number of riders. And, uh, and you have uh, physical security is, is also very important. And with tunnels, uh, again, it's the number of vehicles and and, uh, and trains. Uh, previous threats are very important with uh, with tunnels, and the HVAC system, of course, is very important in tunnels because of the need to get air down there. Okay, one other slide, and. I don't know if it's on this presentation. No, it's, it's, it's in a different place. But what it is is it's where you can go to uh, get the mass transit uh, tool and the, the tunnels IRVS tool and the uh, and eventually the building tool. And it's, it's the DHS website. And I don't know if you if, uh, if, if you all can bring it up, but it's it's a very long. Uh, very long website site name. Hey, Phil? Yeah. Uh, this is Ranko Puder speaking. I'm exactly on that, on that page, so I can read it for people if they want. What's that? I'm exactly at the location. I can tell you what page. What page uh, I know what it is. I have it, I have it up. But it is, okay. it's HTTP colon slash slash www. This, this thing is really long. DHS. Dot. Gov. Slash. 
files slash programs slash SciTech, that's S C I I T H S S Tips D I P S dash tools dot S H T M number four. As symbol number four. I can post anything you want, so if you like. Okay, well, that's, if yeah, if you post it, it'd be a lot easier because <laughs> the thing is a mile long. Yeah, why don't you just send me a link and I'm happy to post it. Okay, well, I sent you the slide. The slide should have the link has the link on it. Yeah, that's the sec the second um, link that everybody wa you wanted us to download. Where do you get the IRVS? So that's that's it. Yeah, that's that the sec uh, link to download, and you get that slide. Okay. So anyway, let me mention there are two other tools, and and if and I encourage everyone to go to the webinar tomorrow, where you'll hear a lot more about IRVS, and you'll hear a lot more about and you'll hear about these two other tools, the OPR. And UBT, acronyms, acronyms. The OPR is a tool that is like the IRVS. It's a weighted system. It has hazards in it only. It is meant for architects and developers to determine high performance in buildings. But it's roughly, it's built roughly the same way. It's in an Excel system. And uh, and essentially, it, it can do. Uh, it, it's not as robust as the IRVS for hazards, but it take, takes hazards and puts it, puts it together with an analysis of a building for high performance, like things like daylighting and whether it conforms to the lead uh, the lead standard. And the UBT, the Urban Blast tool, is a is one in which you can, which allows you to figure out what kind of building damage and damage to components like glass that you would have from a blast in an urban environment. And it's done uh, with 3D uh, imagery. And the only thing about the urban blast tool is that you have to put all your own data into it. But once you put all your own data into it, it's, it's Pretty cool looking because you can you get this model of your of your downtown and you can uh, uh, you can move it around three hundred and sixty degrees and 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 uh, look at it from all different angles and then you can change change where the where the blast occurs and to see what the effects are and you can change the size of the blast so it's it's a pretty cool model but it does take a lot of effort to to get all your data in there on your on an urban environment. So you'll see a lot more about those two tools tomorrow as well as the IRVS. So any questions? Phil? Yes. This is Masood Zadeh. Hi. Hi, Masood. Uh, I have two questions for you. One is um, on slide number 11. Uh-huh. So the number of hazards that I counted was 20, but initially you mentioned there are 22 hazards. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 20 to 
20 to 20. It, it, it's 20, I guess. I, I always about 20 to 22 because it depends on how you count them. Okay. All right. Okay. I just thought that there was a, this might be a old slide, and there is two other as well. Oh. The other question that I have, Phil, is this: uh, You said you mentioned something about uh, that the user will answer about 100 questions. Yes. So there is a possibility that two different people will end up with two different scores for both of these scores: the resilience and the risk. Uh, how how would you, especially if these scores are quite different, how can you prevent that? Is there a training or material? Well, there, the, there there will be the webinar tomorrow. That that's the that's the uh, the first step. But there there will be uh, there will be training on this for people who request it. I don't know how extensive that's going to be, but I know that uh, that, uh, that DHS is is some planning something in that re in that regard. But this is a new tool. We we don't have it out on the street yet. The out the outreach program really hasn't been put in place for it yet. Anyone else? Forty five people and have, somebody has to have wondered something about this presentation. Oh, if there is no one else, I will ask another question, Phil. Uh, is there any? Uh, what, what are these hundred questions? Where can I get the, that information? Uh -huh. Well, you get it when you get the uh, IRVS. That's yeah, where you. Sorry. That's where you see them. Okay. I have two questions. Um, this is Rang Kudarko. Uh, I wanted to ask you, these uh, IRVS for buildings, uh, when do you expect that to be rolled out? I understand it's being reviewed. It's, I, I would say the, the webinar, they may have, there may be more information about it. I, I would say within it, yeah, I want to say about two weeks, but you know, DHS reviews tend to file. But the thing is, the, the, the model, it's all completed, it's all tested, it's all ready to go. This needs the final approval to be put on the website. Well, I wanted to ask you another question, and I don't know how many people are on the call are familiar with this tool called uh, RSDE or SDE, the Residential Substantial Damage Estimator, which is obviously a totally different tool, but it's... Uh, it essentially allows for the quick field assessment of the damages to the structure, to the building, based on uh, different hazards. It's used for the mitigation purposes, and it also is looking at certain elements of the building, and it gives it different weight. So what, the way how you describe this IOVS, at least it seems like the logic is, is somewhat similar, and it is based, uh, I guess, on the same platform. What what is the name of the tool? It's called the Substantial Damage Estimator (SDE). It used to be called Residential Substantial Damage Estimator. And Who puts it out? FEMA. Uh, FEMA. 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 Yes. It was the mitigation director, and it's been out for you know since early 90s in different versions. But it's nothing compared to this. I was just using it because the, 
Is it based on Team of Four? It's on Team of Four Fifty Two. I believe so. Yes. Uh, yeah, that 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 particular model is done uh, totally by judgment, and it uh it, it assigns you you assign a value of one ten to that to whatever you're evaluating. It's it's much more uh it, it, it's not as refined and uh as the IRVS in in in, in that regard. But no, there was no doubt about it. Yeah, this, this, this is a more refined tool than 452, and and 4, 452 I think only covers the uh, man-made hazards, not the natural ones. Actually, because uh, this one wasn't expanded. But I, I wasn't I wasn't comparing the the complexity. I just say that the logic the approach was. Yeah, well, the thing is, that the, the difference is is that the is that the FEMA model is based is really based on professional judgment, and uh, I know people who have used it, and it's, it's literally standing around and, and putting a number on what you're looking at. This this IRVS is, is much more automatic. You're, you're essentially uh, you're, you're essentially checking whether it 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 it, it, it has a certain level. It's good where you have a, a set of choices, or you're actually, or you're actually identifying the, the material itself. So, so it's a. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to trying out this model. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Okay, anyone else? I have a question here. My name is Bert Struick. I'm with uh, Geological Survey in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. uh, the question um, uh, is, this designed specifically for dense urban areas, or does it matter? Can you use it in a small town? doesn't matter. You can use it either place. Thank you. In fact, one, we... Um, we uh, did one of the pilot studies in downtown New York City, and it can't get denser than that. And we also did it in areas that were out in out in the burbs. Perfect. Thank you. Does anybody else have a question for Phil? Hey, Jamie, you, you can uh, direct them to the where the webinar is, and I strongly suggest that uh, you view that tomorrow. So it's about two hours in length. There's uh, there are uh, live presentations. There's a video. It's it's uh, it's a well put together show. Great. Okay. Thank you. It's it's from two to four Eastern time, just so everybody knows. And um, it's the third green link um, underneath where you downloaded the presentation for today's call. So, um, I agree. I hope everybody will participate in that. Okay. Thank you.
So thank you so much for volunteering to do this. It was very interesting. We've had um, about 45 to 50 people on the call. So that's quite the audience. And um, I, I appreciate it. Does anybody have questions before we move on? Yeah, yeah. can you just uh, repeat again when the um, the building module will be available? You say the transit and the tunnels are already, but the buildings um, will be available shortly. Yeah, I, I'm taking a guess of about two weeks, but it really it really depends on the final uh, review by DHS, and that's just, that's it's hard to uh, predict that timetable. So is it, is it, the, the model is completely done. It's, is it's it possible to just see just see the user's guide? What's that? Is it possible to just view the user's guide at this point? That's not on the. That's not on. No, nothing in, with the models on the website until they give the approval. Okay. Great. Do we have any final questions for Phil? All right, well, let me um, remind you that our next call is going to be February 28th. It's the same um, time from 3 to 4 Eastern time, the same dial-in and PIN number as you used today. And the topic for the February call will be um, HAZUS 2.1, which will be released in February. And by the end of the month, um, hopefully everybody will have uh, been able to receive a copy. So we, we do hope that it will be dis um, available for distribution in the next week and a half or so. And um, again, the topic will be 2.1. And we'll have a representative from each of the three de uh, developer teams on that call. So if you've got some questions about 2.1, that would be a good time to have them answered. And if you'd like, you're welcome to send me the questions ahead of time, um, or you can just ask them on the call. And I did record today's call, so uh, depending on the clarity of that, I'll be able to turn that into a podcast, and we'll post that up on iTunes. Uh, and I thank you. We've had quite the audience for today. So, Phil, you did a fantastic job. I really appreciate your efforts. Um, and we'll talk to everybody soon.